Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're here today with Dr. Samantha Sanders Hornberger. Uh, Dr. Hornberger is the owner of Bright Family Eye Care in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Thanks so much for being here, Dr. Hornberger. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about sales today. Um, it's a it's a word that makes a lot of doctors and even uh, uh, staff members kind of uncomfortable. But obviously, it's important. Um, it's 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 hugely important for a practice, particularly that has an optical, um, and and even for other elements of, of kind of uh, finalizing the the treatment plan. How did you come about to to sort of focus on on sales the way that you have? I tell you, it really um, happened in our practice, at least pretty organically. And it actually took me a little while to figure out what it was that we were doing differently, that we didn't have those same feelings around um, sales and lens upgrades and that sort of thing. So I started my practice cold back in 2013. Um, and we, we've had really good growth over the last almost six years to where we're, we're on pace to do between 600 and 650,000 in um, collections this year. And I was talking to a colleague and we were talking about, um, you know, the, the rise of um, internet optical and people taking their prescriptions um, to, to optical shop or whatever. And we just really haven't found that to be much of an issue in our office. And so that got me thinking about, you know, why is that? Why do we have a, such a high capture rate? Why are our lens upgrades um, on in the, the 80 and 90% range um, every month? You know, why do we, even in a small rural practice, why are we able to do a lot of daily disposable contact lenses and that sort of thing? And and what did you realize? Well, the, the biggest thing that I realized is how that we just view sales kind of through a different lens than I think most people do. Um, when I think about sales, I really am not thinking about selling somebody on something. I'm thinking, how can I serve this person? Um, what are the products that are going to serve their vision the best? What's the treatment plan that is going to serve um, the, you know, the longevity of their vision or their health or whatever? Um, and so I don't really come at it from a standpoint of selling them anything, more just educating them about what I feel like is going to serve them the best. And yet, um, I think that's probably an approach, at least in theory, that that many practitioners have. But but something must happen between you know the um, the the understanding that this is the best thing for for the patient and seeing it to fruition with somebody writing you a check at the end. So I think that, that a big disconnect for a lot of practices is that, that the provider, the doctor, is thinking this way in the exam room on educating the patient and really what's going to serve the patient the best. And then somewhere between that and the, the staff's mindset, there's a disconnect. So really, I think it's all about getting the staff to have the same mindset of I'm not selling, I'm not selling the patient something rather. I'm just, you know, further educating them on 
what, you know, lens upgrades or what is going to serve them the best um, in the optical. Right. And how do you help impart that to the staff? Because, you know, there's, there's kind of the, the product knowledge and then there's, there's the, the passion and that's a little harder to perhaps uh, educate on. It is for sure. And I think a, a big part of that comes back to how passionate the doctor is in the first place or how passionate the, the practice owner is in the first place. What I find with staff in general is that they really pick up, you know, a lot on the undertones of, you know, not necessarily what you're telling them and what, and how you're training them, but what they're seeing you do. Um, and so if they see you, you know, talking passionately about anti-glare coating and how much you love it and how much it, it changes your driving vision or, you know, see you talking to a patient about how important it is, then it, it's an easy thing um, or if not easy, more natural for them to pick up and use some of the same language that you use and get more passionate and more excited about the things that they see you passionately excited about. How do you do that with a with a new staff member? How do you fold somebody new into into sort of the, the procedures that you have? Uh, I think the best way to do that is um, to do a lot of shadowing and and um, observing at first. Um, mm-hmm. So generally, when we have a new staff member, um, they pretty much um, you know hang out at the side of my office manager optician for the first um, couple of weeks that they're with us so that they can see all the processes so that they can get a handle for um, the conversations that we have with patients. Um, I generally, you know, I think a a big part of that goes back to kind of my philosophy on hiring too. I tend to hire more for values and for culture fit than I do for experience. You know, obviously if I'm going to hire somebody to, um, work in the optical, it's nice if they have some optical experience, but I would rather have somebody who shares values with the the rest of the staff who shares, um, who, who understands the culture that we have than I would somebody who has 20 years experience. I'm a firm believer that you can teach skills, but you can't, you can't teach values and you can't teach somebody to fit in with a culture that they don't fit in with. Right. Um, So I think a lot of our success in training goes back to that, that, you know, I'll train skills Mm -hmm. and, um, but if somebody isn't a good culture fit, there's, there's not much training that you can fix that with. Right. So how do you determine whether, whether somebody's a good culture fit? Um, well, the first thing that we do, and that's always a tough one because you never, you never really know until somebody is in your office working. Um, but I am typically the last person that will interview somebody. Um, so what I will typically do is my office manager will, uh, will go through, you know, cause she's, She's honestly, she's in the office probably at least a third more time than I am. She's the, she's the, uh, the <clears> backbone <throat> of the practice. So, um, so she will, 
she'll kind of go through resumes with me. If there's somebody that we want to talk to, um, she'll set up a meeting with them before like, I won't even be in the building when they meet. Um, so she'll have a, a good conversation with them to gauge, um, you know, to gauge that sort of thing. And then I will typically have them come back. We'll do a practice tour, let my staff converse with them some. And then really the, the last step that we do is me sitting down and talking to them. And honestly, by that point, usually we have a pretty good idea if it's somebody that we want to offer a job or not. Now saying that it's obviously not a perfect system. I've had my share of staffing issues, mm-hmm. just like any practice. Um, so, so no system is perfect, but I think when, when you go into it thinking less about what are the skills and the experience that this person has that I can get them up and running mm-hmm. with a minimum of training, you know, immediately versus, you know, okay, maybe this, maybe the skills and experience aren't, aren't great, but I really, you know, I like this person. I have a rapport with this person. I think they're going to fit in well with my team and they have the ability to learn the things that they need to know. Um, I have found that 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 tends to make for a much happier practice and staff in general. And it's much easier to, you know, when you share those values with somebody, it's much easier to impart, you know, impart that mindset. And when they're coming into it without, uh, you know, a, a, a big backlog of experience, they're coming into it with fewer preconceived notions of what things should be like and, you know, how to sell and that sort of thing. Um, what kind of backgrounds do, do your employees come from? My, so my office manager, who actually happens to be my mother as well, she, she, um, <laughs> she came from a background of, she was a florist for 30 mm-hmm. years um, when I was growing up. She actually uh-huh. came from, when we opened our, our office, she had zero optical experience. I have, I've taught her pretty much everything about eyes and vision and, and optical. Um, she was actually working in a dental office um, as a, a dental assistant um, doing some of their, their treatment plans and things like that. So that was a completely different industry that she came from. Um, my receptionist was a, she was doing reception for a um, orthodontic practice. So she had some experience in working a front desk, but again, knew nothing about eyes or optical. And now my technician, um, she had 20 years of technician experience in ophthalmology. Um, I just lucked out with her. <laughs> she had, she was the whole package. So can anyone be a, a good salesperson, Dr. Hornberger? I absolutely think that they can. I mean, I think that, that if you come at sales with integrity and you come at it with authenticity and really you know, have a good understanding of how the things that you're selling can serve somebody. I think Mm -hmm. that being a good salesperson, really, when you have that mindset comes pretty naturally, um, because it's just sharing things that you have 
that belief in because you truly think that they are going to benefit somebody right? versus sharing things because they're going to benefit you. Anything in particular, I really think it all comes down to how they see me um, doing the, you know, walking the walk, Mm -hmm. um, how they see me talking to patients and how they see me making recommendations. Um, You know, I think that, that you can, I mean, you can train somebody to know everything there is to know about anti-glare coating. But if, if, you know, A, they're not experiencing it or B, they're not seeing the doctor talk with passion about it and see, you know, see the importance of it in that way, then, mm-hmm. you know, they they know the things, but is that actually going to make it so that they feel like they're serving somebody by recommending it? Um, I really think it comes down to that modeling piece. So, um, so one thing that I would say in general about, about selling is, um, that if, that if you aren't, that if you're not selling the things to, to your patients that you really feel, um, will benefit them, you know, things like anti-glare for nighttime driving, um, wherever you land on the issue of blue light and um, computer strain, if, you know, if you're not telling them about, um, you know, blue light blocking technology for computer lenses, if you're not explaining to uh, a, a monthly contact lens where that there are, there's daily technology that is fantastic and, you know, better for the health of the eye and comfort and all those things, if you're not selling them on those things, then you're really not serving them well. Um, but it's not only your patients that you're not serving well, you're not serving your, your employees well, right? Because you need to, you need to uh, have the money to pay your employees. You're not serving your family well because you need to be able to take home that income. You're not serving your community well because they don't know the options that are available to give them even better experiences and vision. And you're not serving the profession well, because honestly, those things are how we differentiate ourselves from the, the online opticals. And it's how we differentiate ourselves from the 1-800 contacts and things like that is by taking that education piece and really using it to our strength and selling patients, thus serving our patients, the, the, products and services that are going to be the most benefit to them. Was this always um, apparent to you or, or did you kind of, you know, come, come to this realization? Yeah, that's, that's a good question because like I said, you know, when, when I sat down to look at um, capture rate and lens upgrades and that sort of thing, um, it was not apparent to me at all that, that this is kind of how I, have Mm -hmm. always operated with this premise. Um, I am, uh, I have, I've got the, the eye care practice. Um, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur, honestly. So I have, um, several other things, you know, like, like with what I'm doing at, um, the modern eyesight. And so I signed up for this course, um, that, that is offered by, um, Tony Robbins, and um, a guy named Dean Graziosi. 
And it's all about sharing knowledge and it's all about um, group masterminds mm-hmm. and things like that, um, which is something that I want to, to offer. And part of that course was, was them talking about this very thing, how people generally view sales and marketing and how, you know, that was a training that Dean Graziosi did on how he views it as that, you know, just this, this thing that selling really is a, an extension of serving somebody. Um, and the light bulb just kind of went off like, Oh, that's how, that's how I, that's how I've always thought. So it's really a, a ref, it's, it's part of the whole process. It's a reflection of the whole process. It, it's not, it's not, here are the professional services and, and here's the sales. It's, it's, it's one cycle. <laughs> so anytime that you, you know, are doing any type of sales training or reading books or listening to podcasts, they always come back in sales to this idea of no like, and trust. And I think that that's someplace that a lot of, especially optometrists um, and even more, especially women optometrists have, uh, have a, there's an upside there for them because a lot of us very naturally are good at building those no like and trust relationships. Mm. And that is really what it comes down to for somebody to, you know, uh, take your recommendations, whether that be a recommendation for something in the optical or recommendation for a particular contact lens or a recommendation for, um, you know, a diabetic who doesn't have great control for the things that, you know, that they need to be working on to get better control of their blood sugar. I think that the first piece of all of that is developing that relationship, Um, you know, taking the time to develop the relationship so that your patients know you and know your staff. Um, and they like you, you're, you know, you're likable you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that's fine, but taking the time to get to know and like, um, each other. And then that trust is just something that naturally comes. And when you have that trust piece is when you can really serve them well. Know, like, and trust becomes kind of the three underpinnings for, for creating this relationship that allows you to, um, close these deals and, and essentially sell without feeling like you're, you're selling. Yes, absolutely. I think that that relationship piece is the most important part of what we do. Excellent. Dr. Hornberger, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and these strategies and, and just this uh, sort of mindset towards uh, sales, not, not being a dirty word, but being a, uh, you know, a necessary and beneficial part of the process. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.